Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Ali Warshavsky, and today on our podcast, we're speaking with Paul LeBoy. He is brand new to the job, the state's newest chief manufacturing officer, and we were just speaking on our way up here that this is day three, and, and day three, yeah. you're still coming into the office, which is good to hear. Um, you're replacing Colin Cooper, who announced his retirement last, uh, or I believe last month now. Um, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's great to be here, Allie. It's great to have you here. And we're going to take you back to your last job, even though I know I'm sure this new job is the first thing that's on your mind. You most recently served as general manager of Cary Manufacturing. But when we asked you a few weeks ago, if you could ever imagine being the state's chief manufacturing officer, you said no. So why is that? <laughs> well, it's interesting. We don't always get to choose our path through life, right? And and I think that uh, one of the lessons that I've learned is just to keep your eyes and ears open for opportunities. Opportunities can certainly present themselves uh, in any way, shape, or form. But I've you know I've been involved in manufacturing for ten years out of my career. So I used to own a marketing agency, and I've owned some businesses and worked in some other industries, but uh, uh, have been in have been in manufacturing for ten years. And absolutely fell in love with manufacturing. I, you know, I often say my only regret is I didn't find it earlier in my career, because a, a good day for me is usually in the afternoon was to just get up and walk the manufacturing floor and get to talk to people and watch us actually make something and you know actually produce parts. So, um, so fell in love with manufacturing. Was a very big supporter of the chief manufacturing officer position. Uh, was very happy they selected Colin uh, two years ago for the the inaugural. Uh, position and really, it's all about timing. It's a timing just happened to be right as Colin announced his retirement, and we started the conversations. Uh, it kind of, you know, kind of popped up as to, you know, I, I think I would really like to be the next chief manufacturing officer. I think that would. Uh, uh, I'm passionate about manufacturing. I'm passionate about the state of Connecticut. I want all manufacturers to succeed. I want our state to succeed. Uh, so it, it kind of started that little spark, and from that spark, um, here I am. I'm the next chief manufacturing officer. So Let's feel good to say that, and also I think it's probably better being the second, right? Because Colin could experiment, let you know the ins and outs, and then you can come on in with, you know, watching him do it. I, you know, to, to follow in Colin's footsteps is a big task. Uh, he has certainly put his imprint on the position. Uh, again, like you said, it was nothing. It, it hadn't. You know, it's interesting in talking to Colin, and obviously spending a lot of time with him now, and asking him about the, you know, his first couple of weeks. He goes, the first couple of weeks, I was just staring at my calendar. There's nothing on there, you know. And and uh, I'll just give you, you know, I had an 8:30 meeting today, a nine o'clock, a 10 o'clock. I hustled over here. I have a couple more meetings. So I, you know, I, I'm uh, as I as we were talking about, I I feel like I've jumped on the treadmill while it's going at full steam, and I have, you know, I'm just running. So yeah. And um, as we record this, it's the first day of the legislative session. So I'm sure you'll have a lot more on your plate. But before we get into that, when you were at Cary Manufacturing, what do you think one of your biggest accomplishments was? I know when you spoke with us for a print article, you, one of your biggest tasks was to reshore businesses. It seems like it's something you did well. But for those of us who don't know what that means, what is that? What would you have a big part in doing? Yeah, so um, really a couple of things that we did at Cary Manufacturing that were notable. And that, you know, in, in 2001, we have two ca- two catalogs at Cary Manufacturing. One was always manufactured in the U.S. That's called Amatom Electronic Hardware. Cary Manufacturing catalog we sent to China in 2001. In 2016, Jack Cary had a vision to bring that manufacturing back to the States. So, And I joined in 2017. 
uh, and then family members joined the company as well. So it was really, you know, my job was to certainly help build that manufacturing operation, but also prepare the next generation to take over in a family business as well. So it, we went from zero to a full manufacturing operation. And, uh, you know, we're at the point now where 80% of the catalog is manufactured here in Connecticut. We're buying raw materials here in Connecticut. We're doing all of our you know, Kerry Manufacturing is doing all of their finishing and supply chain work here in Connecticut. So it really is a great story of, of really just saying, listen, we can make it here, we can make it here, we can be cost competitive, but we also have better quality, better service, you know, and, and, and a fair and competitive price. Uh, so that was really, you know, and just building that manufacturing operation from scratch uh, in our facility. Uh, the second biggest thing would be all around workforce development and really the work that we did on workforce development. I mean, Kerry Manufacturing was awarded the CBIA Workforce Innovator Award uh, last year, which we were very proud to get. Uh, and it really was around our kind of unique and innovative way to make sure that we were fully and happily staffed. And so uh, I was passionate about workforce development, which is another area that I think will serve me well as Chief Manufacturing Officer. Yes, I'm sure that's probably something that you'll be worrying about a lot over the next few years. Um, you know, our CBIA survey showed this year that 80% of employers are, are worried about the workforce shortage and retaining their employees, which is one of your five objectives you said as you were taking over as a chief manufacturing officer was labor shortage. I have it down right here. Mm. But this is something the manufacturing industry has been um, seeing for years. Some industries are just feeling it, but this is not something that's a surprise to you. It's probably just been escalated a little bit by the pandemic. Yeah, it's it certainly has been. It's a problem that took a long time in the creation of the problem, and it's a problem that's going to take a long time to solve. It uh, you know we have to start we have to start giving people to understand that manufacturing is clean and green, and manufacturing isn't your father's or grandfather's idea of manufacturing anymore that we need a whole different skill set to be able to uh, to be able to run a manufacturing business these days. Uh, and then we need to do that. We need to take that and do that all the way back at the middle school level. We need to start exposing children and parents to the fact that you can build a very nice career in manufacturing. You can have a very nice lifestyle by having a career in manufacturing. And it's and you know, it's and you don't have to necessarily go to college. You can go to a technical school. You can go to certainly one of our great community colleges. You don't need a four-year degree, but it also doesn't mean that when you get into manufacturing, you're going to stop learning, right? The only time that learn comes before earn is in the dictionary, right? Yeah, so, so you've got to, you know, there, there's always, you know, there's always going to be opportunities for education in manufacturing because we're just moving at a, at a great pace as well. Industry 4.0, a lot of new technologies that are coming in. So, so I think we have, to, we have to be better storytellers. We have to really engage with that people in manufacturing look like everybody. You know, I, I say this all the time. We, we at Kerry Manufacturing, we would send somebody to speak at a trade school, to speak to a group of students. Uh, and I would send a, you know, a Hispanic female to go. I said, because they don't want to hear from me. My story doesn't resonate with them. Millie's story or Patricia's story will resonate with them. So they need to understand those stories and then get a vision that there'll be this long career in manufacturing. So it's a solving the workforce development problem. You know, I mean, where manufacturing is an industry in search of, of employees. 
right? We have the work, we have the jobs, we have the available. There's, you know, we, hearts and mind campaign, the things that we're doing with the Manufacturing Innovation Fund with um, apprenticeship, incumbent worker training, um, career fairs, internships, all of that work, and then certainly the Office of Workforce Strategy and Kelly Marie Valeris and all the work that's doing there. We need to, we need to consolidate resources that, we're, that we have. We have so many people here in the state doing so many great things around workforce development, but we're going this way and that way and this way and that way and that way, and we all just need to kind of sink, get on the same highway and get moving in the right direction. And, and we've made significant progress, but there's a long road ahead of us to do that. So the vision is, quite frankly, the vision is that every manufacturing job is filled with a qualified employee. It sounds simple, but it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and something that um, several manufacturers we've had on this this cast and spoken to in the past two months have said is a lot of um, what people are learning now, it's more than pushing a button. It's something that is a, a skill that is more exciting to learn and and um, obviously has a path of growth and a great salary to it, which is something that I think um, trade schools and even community colleges are trying to make more known, right? That misconception that you might be on a trade floor hitting a button all day. It's, it's just not that anymore. It's not that. It's not that. And then the other thing we need to look at as it relates to workforce development is we need to consider the environment that we're bringing new employees into. You know, I said this in, in, um, at the manufacturing summit, you know, the person who had to change the most to carry manufacturing was me. Right. So it's, you know, we were bringing in new, you know, young employees, new employees into the environment. We needed to change the environment so that they felt valued. They felt respected. They we met their needs. You know, long gone are the days of the factories of the 50s and 60s where you come in, punch a time clock, go to lunch at a certain time and all <laughs> this stuff. It really is about flexibility and it really is about value. It's all about, um, you know, do I feel valued? Do I feel important? And do I have some level of flexibility to juggle my everything that I have going on in my life. So I think we need to train, I think we need to train people who own manufacturing businesses. I think at some point in time, we're trying to put square pegs in round holes. And I think we need to match the pegs to the holes uh, as it late, relates to workforce development. So. I'm, I'm sure that you'll be touring all these manufacturers as your job continues. You're only three days in, but I know that from seeing Horst in East Hartford and even Sikorsky, mm -hmm. I mean, Horst incorporates this big track now. So if you're on your lunch break, you can take a nice long walk. Um, it's all open. You can see the outside. And that was a nice change. And then Sikorsky is, um, was talking about, you know, shifts that were flexible. So if you had to do remote learning. So I, I at least know two that are heading in a yeah. different direction. I'm sure there are many more, but you did just touch on this, a healthy manufacturing ecosystem. How do you do that in this role? How do you create one of those? So it really is, in looking at that is, you know, we're all dependent in manufacturing to some degree, we're all dependent upon each other. And I'm dependent upon my steel manufacturers that carry manufacturing. I'm dependent on companies that I have doing finishing and things like that. So we're not, there's no island. Nobody's doing anything uh, specifically on their own. So you're starting to look at, at you know, and, and if you're in the supply chain for some of the larger manufacturers, there are requirements like Department of Defense requirements that are that are coming out. So we've got some initiatives that are going on, like the uh, digital model initiative, uh, I4.0 I working group uh, that I served on as carry manufacturing and that I'll served on as chief manufacturing officer. And it really is looking at, at how do we develop playbooks to strengthen supply chains? How do we develop tools that are able to strengthen supply chains? If you're running a 50 person manufacturing business, you get overwhelmed with, with all of these things that you need to start thinking about. 
you know, I, I used to joke at Kerry Manufacturing that we were stuck in all four industrial revolutions, right? There's four industrial revolutions. We had, you know, we had manual machines that we were using. You know, we had, you know, presses, hydraulic presses that were done, you know, done with electricity. We had CNC machines, and then we had high-end Trump machines that, you know, Internet of Things and machines that could talk to each other. So you look at a typical manufacturer in Connecticut, and there's 4,000 of them, but most of them are smaller in size. Uh, we really have to look at, at how do we give those smaller manufacturers tools to be able to strengthen them so that we have, you know, we build the ecosystem from the ground up. I'm not really worried that Sikorsky or Electric Boat or Pratt and Whitney is going to, you know, have the resources to be able to, to be able to invest in research and development and all of that things and all of those things. I think that the, you know, the state has a great opportunity to provide tools for the supply chain, and I, you know, think the chief manufacturing officer can help be a driver of that. And then you mentioned like the Internet of Things. That's a big, innovative topic right now. I know um, we had. Um, Hartford, a steam boiler on, and they spoke about their lab in partnership with the University of Hartford. And one of your priorities is establishing a culture of innovation. Is that what you think of when you think of innovation? That's that's one of the things. Um, you know, certainly when we talk about a culture of innovation, what we're, you know, Connecticut is, uh, you know, one of our biggest strengths is the, the our workforce and the intellectual level of our workforce. You know, that high intellectual level leads to insights. Right. Those insights lead to innovation and then innovation leads to more intelligence. We need to we need to continue to to make sure that we have a healthy environment for innovation. But we also need to make sure that we're connecting those innovators to Connecticut manufacturers. The whole idea is that if it's invented here, we want it made here. And, and that's one of the initiatives in the in the um, uh, Manufacturing Innovation Fund is a, to be able to connect those innovators with manufacturers. So, you know, we have a very strong culture of innovation in Connecticut. We want to continue to make sure that we foster that. But we also want to make sure that we're connecting those innovators to our manufacturers. Again, if it's, if it's invented here, let's make it here. Yeah, we do have an ecosystem of, like you said, extremely smart individuals. We do have Yale here. We do have a lot of schools in the state that are have engineering programs and, and um and uh, can be that talent pipeline if we uh, work it the right way. Now, your last uh, two initiatives, four and five, better communication and simplification. I think every company in Connecticut probably has that on their list as something they want to improve. But how do you want to do that when it comes to uh, your office and manufacturing? Sure. So as it relates to communication, um, you know, we want to we want to have consistent messaging across kind of all of the stakeholders. Uh, as it relates to what our initiatives are, we want to make sure that in workforce development that we're all, you know, saying the same things around workforce development, the same things around innovation, the same things around uh, uh, the supply chain. But we want to make sure that, that you know, we want to be able to engage with manufacturers. Uh, once we're able to engage with them so they can understand what resources are available to them, then we want to be able to educate them. We can better educate them as to what resources are available to them, and then we can enable them. Again, and the whole idea is really to be successful. So, you know, how do we how do we basically take everything that we're doing and communicate that in such a way that manufacturers know certainly what is available to them, but what tools that they can use? Associations are a great way to do that. The CMC uh, and all of the associations. Colin was great at at 
when he talked to a manufacturer, he'd say, what association do you belong to? And if they say none, his immediate response was, you need to be because that's where you're going to get your information. But we need to be, um, you know, gently relentless in our communication about everything that's going on. You know, one of the things that I think that we know in advertising and marketing, and, and one of the part of the MIF fund is there's a Hearts and Mind campaign that I'm excited to really take a look at, <clears throat> is that we need to have a consistent, repeatable message because it just takes people a long time before they really kind of understand what we're doing. It's never just a, it's never just a one and done as it relates to communication. We need to be consistent, repeatable, again, the whole relentless in our communication to make sure that manufacturers understand what's available to them. And then as it relates to simplify and, and you know, kind of really consolidate and simplify, again, lots of people doing lots of things, moving in lots of different directions, Let's get all on the same boat. Let's get all rowing in the right direction. That's how we're going to solve our problems. That's how we're going to grow manufacturing. The objective is to be able to grow manufacturing in Connecticut. And we had Colin on a few weeks ago, and, and I asked him, what do you would tell you as you as you uh, go into this role? He said, don't take it. No, I'm just kidding. He said, um, build a team. Yep. Um, make sure that you build a team. But I'm sure you guys have had a lot of conversations. You'll continue to. What's some advice he did give to you um, as you take on this role? Um, so I did listen to that podcast, by the way, so, <laughs> the BizCast. I did listen to, uh, I think the other morning on the way to work, I said, oh, let's see what Colin has to say. Uh, and, um, you know, his advice to me is to, uh, is to really reach out to the stakeholders in manufacturing, um, to, to be available, obviously, but to, to reach out to stakeholders, to introduce myself. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly well known in manufacturing circles, but I'm certainly areas that I'm not. So it really is to, uh, to just engage with people that, because when Colin talks about a team, it's not necessarily a team in the sense that, you know, I'm a, I'm a department of one, mm -hmm. right, in, uh, in DECD, um, but I will work with and through hundreds of people. So it really is how do I build that team and, and engage with that team. Um, you know, the other advice that, uh, you know, I've, I've spent a, a fair amount of time with Colin. So as I was, as I was, um, interested in the position, I started showing up where Colin was speaking and just to kind of get a, uh, a little bit of flavor for the position and some of the things that were going on. Um, and it just really is, is you know, to, to listen well uh, and to advocate and represent manufacturers well. And I, again, I, I said this like five times already, but you are going to be seeing a lot of manufacturers in the I'm state. I'm looking but forward you, to that. But yeah. you've, you're from here and, you're, mm -hmm. and you've worked in manufacturing. Is there's something in Connecticut that people might not know is manufactured here that uh, you think it's surprising? Oh, I'm, I'm surprised by that all the time uh, as to as to, you know, kind of what's manufactured here uh, that that we wouldn't necessarily know about. Um, you know, I, we were at Mott Corporation and, you know, they had they had parts that were on the Mars Land Rover. Who knew that in Farmington, Connecticut, we're making parts that go on, you know, that go to Mars, you know, and, uh, you know, and again, that, you know, that's so that I've had one manufacturing visit since uh, <laughs> since I've taken the job and already I was uh, I was surprised, you know, I mean, companies like even like Kerry Manufacturing. I mean, we made we made handles that went on black boxes that went on Boeing aircraft, you know, well, we did right, right. We had nothing to do with the black boxes and nothing to do with the aircraft, and it was you know six levels removed from Boeing. But um, but you know you're you're you know a lot of times in in manufacturing you're making parts along the supply chain. You're not really sure where they're going. 
so you know, my when I was working in, in at Carry, the thing that I would always ask my customers is, what are we using this for? Where's this actually going? What am I doing? Like I'm making this part. What am I doing? And then we made, you know, we made simple parts that latches that go on that go on um, first aid kits. You know, that's the way I describe carry manufacturing. If you ever opened a first aid kit, yeah. you probably know who we are. We're that little latch, you know. And so from, uh, you know, from that, those kinds of perspective, you know, there were parts at Mott that were in the U.S. air flight that, that uh, Captain Sullenberg, you know, landed yeah, in the Hudson Hudson's River. Wow. Yeah. So, and, you know, and he, they, you know, they sent a letter with a, the part that, you know, that they had made that's in their lobby. Um, so I, I think one of the things that I'm actually looking forward to is visiting manufacturers, engaging with our manufacturers, and really learning about everything that, you know, and and sharing that information with the rest of the manufacturing community. I mean, did you know Connecticut makes, you know, I mean, listen, we make helicopters for the President of the United mm -hmm. States. We make submarines for the U.S. Navy that protect national security. We make jet engines. And those are just three, you know, you can go to, you know, Pez Manufacturing yes. and, and Orange and, you know. Uh, you can kind of start and go through the the long list of exciting things that are made here. You know, I mean, every night when I have my cup of Bigelow tea, it's manufactured <laughs> right yep. here in Connecticut. You know, so uh, you know it, uh, it, it. Connecticut has a long history of of great manufacturing, and I'm really looking forward to helping grow that. And my last question is just, you know, the state today legislative session begins. I know CBIA is fighting for. Um, a tax credit for manufacturers to have a growth program through um, schools and training programs. What can be done in this legislative session that would be benefit the state's manufacturers? Well, you know, apprentice tax credits uh, are certainly important for manufacturers. Um, I really, you know, as it relates to, to legislative issues in this position, I really need to listen to manufacturers to understand really what some of their needs and concerns are. And then really in this job, it's if I'm asked, you know, to really give my, uh, to be able to give my opinion um, and to be able to, um, to be able to be the voice of manufacturers. More importantly, I think when I'm asked not to, uh, not to necessarily advocate or not advocate for a, a certain position. Um, so it, it's really to kind of serve as that bridge legislatively to say, you know, this is what manufacturers think are important. Uh, and then to, and to see how that really lines up with the governor's priorities. So, uh, you know, it um, it really is listening and then and then you know providing that feedback when important and when asked. So. Well, congratulations on the role. Happy third day. Thank and you. It, we look forward to looking uh, to working with you more as an organization and also some more conversations like this. I'm sure um, there's going to be a lot that we can talk about in the upcoming months. So thank you for coming on the BizCast. Thank you very much for having me, Allie. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, YouTube, SoundCloud, and for more episodes, visit CBIA.com.